Today is May 4th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am honored to be with you today, as I am every day, as we get into God's Word together. But before we do, I just want to remind you that today is the National Day of Prayer, and the Bible says in James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's the NLT version. This is a day when those of us who believe in the power of prayer pray for those who don't. And it's where we unite in spirit to lift up our leaders, our communities, our families, and whatever our needs are to God. So let's do that today, maybe more often than we typically do. Let's take a beat or two and just lift up some prayers. Now, in Judges today, this might be the darkest, most depraved disunity and debauchery that we have seen yet. And that's saying a lot because we've been through Sodom and Gomorrah. This is a strikingly disturbing narrative that makes Game of Thrones look like a bedtime story. What we're going to see take place, I guess it reveals the depths of human depravity and the need for divine intervention in a broken world. Today's story is so terrible. I would strongly advise, I know I gave out all of my disclaimers at the beginning of the book of Judges, but I want to do it again today just because of how bad it really is. Be mindful of your young companions if they're listening with you. And because today's story includes sexual violence, if you've ever been a victim of sexual assault or know someone who has, please be mindful of your own triggers. And if you need a break or you need to stop at any point or you just want to skip this episode altogether, it is okay. But praise God, we also have some uplifting and encouraging passages from John, Psalms, and Proverbs to balance things out. So grab your Bible, your phone, your favorite beverage, your journal, or just your listening ears as we pick up where we left off yesterday. Judges chapters 19 and 20, New American Standard Bible, a Levite's concubine raped and killed. Now it came about in those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite staying in the remote part of the hill country of Ephraim, who took a concubine for himself from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine found him repugnant, and she left him and went to her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah, and remained there for a period of four months. Then her husband set out and went after her to speak gently to her in order to bring her back, taking with him his servants and a pair of donkeys. And she brought him into her father's house, and when the girl's father saw him, he was glad to meet him. His father-in-law, the girl's father, prevailed upon him, and he remained with him for three days. So they ate and drank and stayed there. Now, on the fourth day, they got up early in the morning, and he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Strengthen yourself with a piece of bread, and afterward you may go. So both of them sat down and ate and drank together. And the girl's father said to the man, Please be so kind as to spend the night, and let your heart be cheerful. However, the man got up to go. But his father-in-law urged him, and he spent the night there again. Now on the fifth day, he got up to go early in the morning, but the girl's father said, Please, strengthen yourself and wait until a late afternoon. So both of them ate. When the man got up to go, along with his concubine and servant, 
His father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Behold now, the day has drawn to a close. Please, spend the night. Behold, the day is coming to an end. Spend the night here so that your heart may be cheerful. Then tomorrow you may arise early for your journey and go home. But the man was unwilling to spend the night, so he got up and left and came to a place opposite Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. And with him was a pair of saddled donkeys, his concubine also was with him. When they were near Jebus, the day was almost gone, and the servant said to his master, Please come and let's turn aside into this city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. However, his master said to him, We will not turn aside into a city of foreigners who are not of the sons of Israel. Instead, we will go on as far as Gibeah. And he said to his servant, Come, and let's approach one of these places, and we will spend the night in Gibeah or Ramah. So they passed along and went their way, and the sun set on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there to enter and spend the night in Gibeah. When they entered, they sat down in the public square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. Then behold, an old man was coming out of the field from his work at evening. Now the man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was staying in Gibeah. But the men of the place were Benjaminites. And he raised his eyes and saw the traveler in the public square of the city. And the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? And he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote part of the hill country of Ephraim, for I am from there, and I went to Bethlehem in Judah. But I am now going to my house, and no one will take me into his house. Yet there is both straw and feed for our donkeys, and also bread and wine for me, and your female slave, and the young man who is with your servants, there is no lack of anything. Then the old man said, Peace to you. Only let me take care of all your needs. However, do not spend the night in the public square. So he took him into his house and fed the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. While they were celebrating, behold, the men of the city, certain worthless men, surrounded the house, pushing one another at the door, and they spoke to the owner of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who entered your house, that we may have relations with him. Then the man, the owner of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brothers, please do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not commit this vile sin. Here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Please let me bring them out, then rape them and do to them whatever you wish. But do not commit this act of vile sin against this man. But the man would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and brought her outside to them, and they raped her and abused her all night until morning, then let her go at the approach of dawn. As the day began to dawn, the woman came and fell down at the doorway of the man's house where her master was until full daylight. When her master got up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, then behold, his concubine was lying at the doorway of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, Get up and let's go. But there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man set out and went to his home. When he entered his house, he took a knife and seized his concubine and cut her in twelve pieces, limb by limb. Then he sent her throughout the territory of Israel, 
All who saw it said, Nothing like this has ever happened or been seen from the day when the sons of Israel came up from the land of Egypt to this day. Consider it, make a plan, and speak up. Resolve to punish the guilty. Then all the sons of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, came out, and the congregation assembled as one person to the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, took their stand in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the sons of Benjamin heard that the sons of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. And the sons of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wickedness take place? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came with my concubine to spend the night at Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. But the citizens of Gibeah rose up against me and surrounded the house at night, threatening me. They intended to kill me. Instead, they raped my concubine so that she died. And I took hold of my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout the land of Israel's inheritance, for they have committed an outrageous sin and vile act in Israel. Behold, all you sons of Israel, give your response and advice here. Then all the people rose up as one person, saying, Not one of us will go to his tent, nor will any of us go home. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot, and we will take ten men out of a hundred throughout the tribes of Israel, and a hundred out of a thousand, and a thousand out of ten thousand, to supply provisions for the people, so that when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, they may punish them for all the vile sin that they have committed in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united as one man. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through the entire tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has taken place among you? Now then, turn over the men, the worthless men who are in Gibeah, so that we may put them to death and remove this wickedness from Israel. But the sons of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the sons of Israel. Instead, the sons of Benjamin gathered from the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the sons of Israel. From the cities on that day, the sons of Benjamin were counted, 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who were counted, 700 choice men. Out of all these people, 700 choice men were left-handed. Each one could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Then the men of Israel besides Benjamin were counted, 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. Civil War, Benjamin Defeated Now the sons of Israel set out, went up to Bethel, and inquired of God and said, Who shall go up first for us to battle against the sons of Benjamin? Then the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. So the sons of Israel got up in the morning and camped against Gibeah. The men of Israel went to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel lined up for battle against them at Gibeah. Then the sons of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and struck to the ground on that day 22,000 men of Israel. But the people, the men of Israel, showed themselves courageous and lined up for battle again in the place where they had lined themselves up on the first day. And the sons of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening, and inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall we again advance for battle against the sons of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him, 
So the sons of Israel came against the sons of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah the second day and struck to the ground again 18,000 men of the sons of Israel. All of these drew the sword. Then all the sons of Israel and all the people went up and came to Bethel, and they wept and remained there before the Lord, and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the sons of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, Aaron's son, stood before it to minister in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the sons of my brother Benjamin, or shall I stop? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So Israel sent men in ambush around Gibeah, and the sons of Israel went up against the sons of Benjamin on the third day and lined up against Gibeah as at other times. When the sons of Benjamin went out against the people, they were lured away from the city, and they began to strike and kill some of the people as at other times, on the roads, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah, and in the field, about thirty men of Israel. And the sons of Benjamin said, They are defeated before us, like the first time. But the sons of Israel said, Let's flee, so that we may draw them away from the city to the roads. Then all the men of Israel rose from their place and lined up at Baal Tamar. And the men of Israel in ambush charged from their place from Mara Geba. When ten thousand choice men from all Israel came against Gibeah, the battle became fierce. But Benjamin did not know that disaster was close to them. And the Lord struck Benjamin before Israel, so that the sons of Israel destroyed twenty-five thousand one hundred men of Benjamin that day, all who drew the sword. So the sons of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. When the men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah, the men in ambush hurried and rushed against Gibeah. The men in ambush also deployed and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the agreed sign between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise from the city. Then the men of Israel turned in the battle, and Benjamin began to strike and kill about thirty men of Israel. For they said, Undoubtedly they are defeated before us, as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, Benjamin looked behind them, and behold, the entire city was going up in smoke to heaven. Then the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were terrified, for they saw that disaster was close to them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel to flee in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them while those who attacked from the cities were annihilating them in the midst of them. They surrounded Benjamin, pursued them without rest, and trampled them down opposite Gibeah toward the east. So 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All of these were valiant men. The rest turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon, but they caught 5,000 of them on the roads and overtook them at Gidom and killed 2,000 of them. So all those of Benjamin who fell that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were valiant men.
But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the Rock of Ramon, and they remained at the Rock of Ramon for four months. The men of Israel then turned back against the sons of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword, both the entire city with the cattle and all that they found. They also set on fire all the cities which they found. John chapter 3 verses 22 through 43. John the Baptist's last testimony. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. Now John was also baptizing in Anon, near Salem, because there was an abundance of water there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a matter of dispute developed on the part of John's disciples with the Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all the people are coming to him. John replied, A person can receive not even one thing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the friend of the groom who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. The one who is only from the earth is of the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of this he testifies, and no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God sent speaks the words of God, for he does not give the Spirit sparingly. The Father loves the Son and has entrusted all things to his hand. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Jesus goes to Galilee. So then, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, rather, his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again to Galilee. Psalm 104 verses 24 through 35. Lord, how many are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great. The ships move along there, and Leviathan, which you have formed to have fun in it. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You hide your face, they are terrified. You take away their breath, they perish and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my praise be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall rejoice in the Lord. May sinners be removed from the earth, and may the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord my soul. Praise the Lord. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verses 22 through 24. Will they who devise evil not go astray? But kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is simply foolishness. I don't know about you, but I am feeling a lot of emotions right now. Anger, sadness, confusion, disgust, Um, also hope and gratitude and wonder. There's so much going on here. I'll share with you some of what I see and some of the things that stood out to me. First of all, Judges 19 and 20. This is one of those stories that truly makes you wonder why it's even in the Bible. What is the point of telling us such a horrific and graphic tale about rape, murder, mutilation, civil war, and genocide? Well, I think there are at least three reasons why this story is important. One reason is that it shows us the reality of sin and its consequences. Although it is an extreme example, without God's guidance, God's law, God's will, I mean, things can get really bad really quickly. This story takes place in the time of the judges when there is no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This was a time of moral chaos and anarchy when people had abandoned God's law and followed their own lusts and passions. The result was a society that was corrupted by violence, injustice, oppression, idolatry, and immorality. The story of the Levite and his concubine is a vivid illustration of how far people can fall when they reject God's authority and standards. It also shows us how one sin can lead to another and can lead to another and how one act of evil can trigger a chain reaction of more evil. So the Levite's concubine was unfaithful to him, which led him to go after her, which led them to stay in Gibeah, which led them to be attacked by wicked men, which led him to give up his concubine to them, which led him to cut her body into pieces, which led him to call for vengeance, which led Israel to go to war against Benjamin, which led to thousands of deaths on both sides, which led to more violence and kidnapping. And this story shows us how sin can just spiral out of control and destroy whole lives and whole communities. Another reason why this story is important is that it shows us the need for God's intervention and salvation. This story is not just a tragedy of human sinfulness, it's also a tragedy of human helplessness. No one in this story seems to have any clue what to do or how to stop this madness. The Levite seems indifferent to his concubine's fate. The old man seems like he was powerless to protect his guests. The men of Gibeah seem unstoppable in their wickedness. The tribes of Israel seem confused and conflicted about how to deal with Benjamin. Even God seems silent and distant at times, which do you really blame him? Can we really blame him? Of course we can't, but they had turned away from him. They had completely abandoned everything that they knew about following God's prescriptions for their lives. 
This story shows us how hopeless and helpless we are without God's guidance and grace. Don't miss that. We need God to intervene in our lives and save us from our sins and their consequences. We need God to restore order and justice in our worlds, whatever they look like individually. We need God to restore order and justice in our world at large. We need God to heal our wounds and reconcile our relationships, to transform our hearts and to renew our minds. And we have to recognize that we need God for that. And to their credit, they did go to him a few times to find out what to do. But by that time, come on, y'all. I mean, things were already horrible. The third reason why this story is important. And let me wait, let me go back. No matter how horrible things are, it is never too late to go back to God. No matter how badly we have messed up, it is okay. We should go back to God and ask him, okay, Lord, I messed up. What do I do now? So I want to make sure I clean that up. But the third reason why this story is important is that it shows us the contrast between human failure and divine faithfulness. This story It's not just a tragedy. It's also a mystery. There are lots of questions here that we can ask. Why did God allow such evil and suffering to happen? Why did God let Israel lose twice before giving them the victory? Why did God spare a remnant of Benjamin after they committed such atrocities? We don't have easy answers to these questions, but we can see glimpses of God's purpose and plan in this story. We can see that God was not absent or indifferent. He was sovereign and involved. He was testing and refining Israel's faith and obedience. He was judging and punishing Benjamin's sin and rebellion. He was preserving and restoring his covenant people. He was preparing and pointing to his ultimate solution, a king after his own heart, which we're going to get to. The story shows us that even in the darkest and most difficult times, God is faithful and good. He is working all things together for his glory and for our good. So that's my take. That's my two cents on Judges 19 and 20. I hope it helps you understand and appreciate this challenging and complex story. And of course, there's cultural implications here too. They definitely had different customs around hospitality and the guests in their home. And so that's why you see the confusing choice for the man of the house to be willing to give up his virgin daughter instead of the guest. But again, we won't get into all of that. I just wanted to put that out there. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks to us in every situation and every season of life. Lord, we thank you for the stories and teachings that reveal to us your character and your will. Lord, we thank you for the examples and models that are in your word to inspire us and to challenge us. Lord, we confess that we are sinners in need of your grace and mercy. We acknowledge that we've fallen short of your glory and your standards. Lord, we repent of all of our sins, anything that is not like you. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. We would also ask, Lord, for your healing and your restoration for the wounds and the scars that sin has caused in our lives and in our world. Lord, we praise you for your intervention and your salvation. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification. 
Lord, we thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth and to empower us to live the way that you would have us to live. Lord, we thank you for your promises and your plans for our future. Lord, we thank you for all that you are and for all that you do, all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Lord, we ask that you would help us to follow your example and your instructions. Lord, we ask you to help us to live with humility, with joy, and with faithfulness. Help us to honor and serve others with grace and gratitude. Lord, help us to live for your glory. It is not about us, Lord. It's all about you. We ask that you would continue to bless us with your favor and your provision. Inspire us, motivate us, enlighten us, Lord. Enrich us, protect us, heal us. Fill us with your love, joy, and peace, your wisdom, your confidence, and your courage. Lord, we ask that you would meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We surrender our lives to you completely and we submit to following your lead. We pray all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. And our affirmation, my past may have been painful, but my future is full of promise. My past may have been painful, but my future is full of promise. And our aphorism, in the pursuit of knowledge, we discover ourselves. In the pursuit of wisdom, we discover God. Let's continue to pursue both, y'all. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being on this journey with me. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.